0: Not everybody does it the way you do it or have done it in the past, and there's nothing wrong with that. All right, welcome to the Field Famous Podcast, brought to you by Field Routes, a show that shines a light on the field service industry and the dedicated professionals that grind every single day on their journey to success. I am your host, Christopher Pisano. Before we begin, I want to remind everybody out there that the best way to receive new episodes of this show is to subscribe to your favorite pod player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, just to name a few. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find the Field Famous Podcast. The show is also available in video formats. If you prefer to watch this interview, uh, you can subscribe right there on YouTube. And last but not least, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This will help it move up so other people can find this show so they can learn from the stories you're about to hear. So our guest for today's show is Christopher Harkins, Regional Operations Manager at Pitbull Pit Bull. Pit bull pest control man. Pit bull pest control. Uh, Chris, are you ready to be feel famous? Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So Chris was um, getting things in order and making sure his team knew what he was doing. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to learn about why why that is and why he's getting calls all the time and getting calls. So um, it's part of the game and it's part of the biz. And that's probably that's you know one of the reasons why I wanted to to talk to you today so you can tell your story, Chris. Um, let's introduce yourself to the audience, right? Tell them, tell them who you are, what you, where you are, what you do now. And then I want to, you know, the first real question is how you got into this game, how you got into the industry.
1: So uh, my name is Christopher Harkins. I'm currently um, reside in Las Vegas, Nevada, originally from Southern California, grew up, you know, just two miles away from uh, Disneyland. So that's my stomping ground is uh, Southern California. So. Just as many pests there as there are here, so.
0: <laughs> but you weren't, you didn't grow up in the industry, right? You didn't? I
1: didn't. Actually, um, my father is in the, uh, was originally in the commercial industry for preventative maintenance. So okay. we did work for Sarah Lee Mission Foods, big okay. name bakeries. Okay. But, no, but no
0: pest. You, this wasn't like a thing that your family did or you were doing or you said, I'm going to do this. No, this is just something you came no. into. <laughs>
1: No, ironically, I was getting called to do things the pest control companies couldn't do, like put up air curtains or ah. uh, put in, you know, fast doors or stuff like that, okay. <laughs> stuff that All was right. more
0: specialized to the industry. I see. All right. So I would I have to ask you, so you grew up at the foot, basically the foot of Disneyland. Do people that grow up around there have a different take on Disney
1: when it's that close to you or no? It's a, like, you know what I mean by that? You certainly have no concept of what you have, like- um but did you i do go don't more
0: ha- frequent because i mean because do you get like discounts Are you living in state so my
1: my grandmother actually used to buy us annual passes and back then like the standard annual pass got you in like 300 days a year so like during the summer not every day you could go but like i could just roll so you could just myself.
0: go like let's go to disney yeah.
1: today <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so i could totally you know what it's like i lived um i grew up downstate new york state so i grew up right outside of manhattan so I could jo- I could be in Manhattan within f- less than forty minutes, no problem, and I could take a train, a bus, I can get there. And when you di- when you have that so close, you don't re- you know, you don't realize. And then you go away somewhere. I remember going to Europe to visit family out in Italy, and all they talk to me about is New York City. It's all they want to talk about. Like, and it's you're they're so obsessed with it. And then you sit back and you're like, wow. I actually had that—that that I could see the buildings, and I had the ability to go whenever I want. Like you
1: said, you just don't realize when you live right right with it. You just don't. I try to explain to people that I have a very jaded, on like dealing with fireworks. Like they're nothing to me <laughs> because literally they would go off they would every just go night all the time, at right? eight o'clock. Like you could literally almost set. A so clock you were that close it. then? You could? You could? Oh yeah, I was that close.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. Um, sorry, I had to ask that question. Um, so. You know, you you got into this this business. You were involved. This wasn't your first uh, career step in your career, I imagine. So, what I want to understand from you is when you got into the industry, um, what were some you know what was the role? Is it the same role now? And what were some immediate differences or things that you you had to say? Okay, wow, this is different. I got to really got to learn this
1: and that. So, I guess the easiest way to kind of explain how I got to the industry is. I kind of was doing what my dad's business did, where we did preventative maintenance. Um, I, I ended up working for a big box store and was in charge of a uh, an, an individual retail store. And, you know, I came into my job. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be an easy job. There's not that much to do. And on my first month, I'm like, there's a rat problem in this building. <laughs> Boy. And so that's not
0: what you want to find on your first. No, job. No, it,
1: it really wasn't what you wanted to start your change in career with. Um, so because of that, I basically got a lesson in how to be a ratter. For, a ratter
0: is that? A <laughs> that's thing? what I call Are there it. Ratters.
1: A, I got to be a ratter. I, I, you know, basically part of the reason uh, Pitbull kind of seeked me out post my time at that big box retailer is. Um, you know, they'd come in and be like, hey, there's this opportunity. And then they'd come up back within 48 hours and they'd be like, oh, that opportunity's closed. And they just were not used to that feedback loop. They're used to like, hey, there's an opportunity. And then it's 30 days later, it might get done. I see. Well, it's all just stuff like through my education in in my dad's company working for other, you know, maintenance companies, like these are all things I can just hammer out in 15 minutes yeah. if You know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, right. Right. You know, it might take you a week.
0: Right. So, you, so then you got, when you transitioned in with, with, with Pitbull, then what was the role at that
1: time? Is it similar to now? Is it the same? Is it different? Is it evolved? So, I have a much different role. So, when I very first came into Pitbull, I was basically the utility tech. Okay. Um, I, I did a little bit of commercial work just for them to kind of test me with. Um, uh, but you know, when somebody needed a door sweep, I was, I, it was always, Hey, Chris, go do this door sweep. When somebody needed uh pigeon work done, Hey, Chris, go jump on that roof and get that pigeon work done. Like I didn't know how to do pigeon work. They just trained me. And pigeon then now work. I, now I run that whole, whole division basically. So, so pigeons where you are is a thing. Oh, it's a major thing, especially with solar panels. I will tell oh, you, man, if that's you buy... Right. If you buy solar panels, it should be in your contract that you get solar panel screening, whether it's through a third party or through the installer. Oh, I never thought about that. It's it's like I don't care where you live; something will find its and way it's, under and your it's, solar panels. And it's
0: <laughs> so so. Is it is it that like the world is their bathroom and it gets disgusting on the solar panels, or do they actually mess it
1: up? Like what what is the so, problem? All it's the a mixed bag, right? <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. So. Um obviously, you know, under a solar panel there are wires that are kinda yep. hanging there. Yep. Well that's where they choose to kind of put stuff up against uh, them for nesting material or um even like like something I've seen is like rodents using them as pathways because typically some of the houses have like inlets where Right, the, so they can
0: get in like yeah, through, through a so conduit like, or something like that, like a hole. Yep. yep.
1: So so Jeez. we do a lot of that work where we're just keeping pests out of those areas
0: and what do they do they just notice that their stuff's not working is that what happens it gets to that point
1: um generally it's the fecal matter like it just at some point you know when you have 30 40 pigeons living underneath your solar panels when it's hot outside the amount of fecal matter it just kind of starts to rain one day fecal matter oh boy (laughs) and then if it you know it doesn't rain that often here in vegas but when it does Oh, then you have a huge mess to clean up because okay. it's kind of Jeez. washed it out. <laughs> All right.
0: See, I always said if you don't need, you to, like pest control people, like, man, I was going to say, like, there's some crazy things. Like, I think about. You know, you think about pests, you think about maybe you're biased, you start thinking about the pests you normally think of like a bug or an insect, but there are things, man, there, and it depends on where you are. Those things can be different. Like New York City, we we're just talking about Manhattan. They have things. Pigeons are a thing. Rats are a thing. Ratters are mm-hmm. rats everywhere. In fact, I was just joking, you probably I don't know if you guys saw this in the industry, but like they, they, they wanted to name a rat czar to combat the yeah. these this huge rat problem that's happening. Rats are always a problem in New York City. Um so I don't know how you I don't know how you stop that. But um, so, you know, a regional operations manager, tell me, tell me about manager, tell me about your territory. So tell me about what, what your, you know, how far you guys go and what, what your, what you oversee there.
1: Yeah. So currently, uh, we did a recent expansion in the last, uh, year. So we, you know, we service most of Nevada as a whole. Um, we cover, you know, the regular Vegas area is our, is our home base, but we do cover basically from the South Laughlin all the way as north is Ely, which is pretty much an hour from Salt Lake City. So it's a big um, area. Y- yeah, I just finished it this last this week, actually. And then um, and then I head all the way to the west uh, to Tonopah and Dyer, uh, which is basically on the California border. You have to drive through California to get back to Vegas.
0: <laughs> okay, all <laughs> um, right.
1: And so that's our Nevada area. And then we cover... Uh, southern Utah, kind of the Saint George and suburbs. Okay. North. Is this all running out of one place? You have you have we offices are, around. We, we have uh, individual field techs yep. in okay. Arizona and Utah. Okay. But all right. everything's essentially ran out of our brand new office. We opened this last year. Okay. In all right, Vegas. All right. Um,
0: what are, tell me a little bit about some of the challenges with that, with like a territory that's big and out there. I mean, you know, you're, you're gonna, you, you have an area that you service and you get calls and leads as they come in and they don't always come in in the same place uh, at the same time and frequently they don't. So tell me a little bit about that, you know, some of the challenges logistically you're, 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 facing and maybe some of the ways that you, you guys have, are, are looking at streamlining those routes in, in, in a, in a world of rising costs. Right. So to talk to me a little bit about those, some of those challenges
1: yeah so in the last year we really had to look you know when gas was five approaching six dollars just yeah how do we keep operations you know even not even profitable but how do we not lose money right so right. we we went to a route optimizing software um it's really has cleaned up the routes i mean some of the customers you know you get a little bit of adjustment from them saying hey what happened and we just had to tell you like hey some days if, if you want, right, if you want service, you're going to have to do it on our schedule because otherwise it doesn't make sense for us to come do your service. Right. Right. Um, and, and some of it's just kind of training the customers, right? Like if you set the expectation that like, Hey, you're going to get monthly service. We cover you the way that we cover right. you, um, right. with your 30 day warranty for, for our monthly customers. Like they're they're pretty willing to accept like, hey, I, instead of getting the first Monday, I'm getting service the second Tuesday. Right. You know, as long as they don't have a problem.
0: That's what, I guess that's what we're, that, that's really what I was thinking, like on a preventative basis. You know, if you're going to if that happens, it's not. a But it's when like, no, they're everywhere in my kitchen right now that becomes like a reservice or a call or something's going on. I imagine that's where it could kind of throw things off a bit. Cause then people yes. are like, I need
1: something now, you know, and that, that, so with new customers, um, that's typically where that comes from. Like our callback rate is like sub half percent okay. in the last year, okay. which has wow. been great. Wow. I mean, we've really worked hard to get our callback rates, a lot of training, a lot of, you know, drill down on what was causing the callbacks. Yeah. Um, to, to get us to that point, because especially with the way gas was I think that's a killer,
0: right? Going yeah, back, a callback,
1: yeah. I, I just look at a callback is like, how fast can I burn money? Right, right. Because for every minute I'm on that stop, A... It's zero dollars we're bringing in. B, it's zero dollars I can't bring in. Like right. I can't it's be doing something work, where I am right? it's just making right. money. Right, right. So it's like it's almost double dipping. I look at it. I look at a callback costing me like three hundred and fifty dollars an hour. That's what I look at. What right. callbacks yeah. cost me? Jeez. Our company. So if, even if, if it's. 10 minutes, right. like
0: that's right. $35. Yep. <laughs> it, so how? So for someone who's out there and they're hearing that and they're like, man, you know what? That's so true. I got a problem. I, I'm, I'm noticing a problem there. And I'm noticing, I'm looking at some of the data and I'm seeing that that's going up and I'm going back out more than I should have been or I have been. Are there obvious things to look at there in your experience? Is, is it typically representative of, of, a, of, a, of a like a particular problem? Can it be more customer Then sometimes the tech of the job where someone's a little more sensitive to something, like I imagine it's a bunch of things. What are some things and areas to really look at if you're noticing that to be problematic?
1: Setting expectations, right? Yeah. So the first thing you have to do with the customer is set an expectation. Like if you have ants, which was our number one callback, I need to set an expectation with you that because of the products I have to use for ants, A, The problem might get a little bit worse before it gets better. I've heard that all the time. Yep. And B like, it's not going to be instant. There's, there's millions of ants in your yard that we don't see. We just see the 10,000 that have decided today (laughs) was the day to pop up. (laughs) Right. So just have an expectation that like, this is, this is a challenge and, at the exact same time, you know, sometimes it's even bigger challenge in my market. I have scorpions. Well, I have customers that have scorpions and ants. Well, the products that we use for scorpions don't typically play well with the, the right. ants and the products that work well with right, the ants don't, the don't typically right. play well with the scorpions. Yeah. So I, I sometimes have to tell them, like, pick a priority. We will, we will drill that priority into the ground we will will end that problem, but I promise you, we will do our best to do both of them at the same time. But right. it's not always that right. that easy. Right. And and it's as simple too as is setting that expectation. And then there's you know great products that are leave behinds, right? Like involve your customers. If you if your customer has an ant problem, uh, like a taro P C O, is a super inexpensive ant station. If my customer has called me twice for ants in the last year. I want to make sure that that customer has two of these. And then I want to document it on our yeah. service tickets so that when my CSRs get in there, they are like, hey, did you use right. your right. your product yet? You know, like we want to involve them in the process, even if it's not always the most comfortable part of the job. But having set those expectations with the customer... They're a lot more understanding, right? 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 I,
0: yeah, I think I think the expectation in that, in anything in field, whether it's like, you know, lawn is a little different. Pest definitely in that these things are going to come back. You know, it's almost like you know, and this is where I always have this conversation with every guest that I've talked to on the show about recurring and coming back and changing the mindset from being proactive to reactive in terms of like pest control and some of these services. But but I think the concept is you know. We're going to take care of your problem for you, but you know, like you said, like there's a lot of lot of pests and they find a way, and that's why we have to continually come back come back to keep it at bay and to keep it monitored, right? Like it's never fixed. Like you, you're never going to say, "I fixed your ant problem forever," you know, Chris. Like you're all good. Like enjoy enjoy your home now. You'll never see another ant in your house again. That doesn't happen, right? So I I think people still. Approach pest problems like they can be fixed and never come back. So, I guess that's where the education and the conversation comes with the customer.
1: Well, and like I would say, some of that still comes from the era of like DDT, right? You could treat your house with DDT once, and just and you bomb wouldn't see it something getting... <laughs> for three years, you know, oh just because that product stayed like half life just lingered. for so long. And so, like here we are like, that's a product that was commonly used in baby boomers households. So they still kind of have that expectation that that's what they're still going to get. But now we have to be like, like you have to realize how bad DDT not only was for you, but for us. Right. Like we have to explain to the customers that like, this is pest control and not pest elimination. Right. Like, i right. i will it's never right, tell right. it's customer, right in the name right it's right in the yeah. name control like i don't like the name <laughs> exterminator right. because, Exterminator. because that's not what i do i control your pest i don't eliminate them right um right i don't i can't make every single one of these go away yeah. That's um, interesting. Oh, wow. Like
0: exterminator, the term, I don't, it's not really, I don't know if it's used as much anymore. Right. I mean, I don't know if there are companies popping up that are using the word exterminator because you're right. It sets a bad, It sets a bad precedent. Like we're coming in to exterminate, eliminate, get rid of, and that's not what's happening. Right. Yeah. And again, setting yeah. expectations right in, in the name, um, g- going back to this concept of, of the route and the efficiency part, cause it's a big, it's a big thing. It's obviously a big, um, you know, focus there. Do you take a, so you're talking about how you, how you, you know, you restructure communication on the, on the, on the the customers you have, but what about on the acquisition strategy of getting new customers in? Does it, does it, do you still cast that net and are just fishing and getting, getting those leads? Or at some point, do you take a targeted approach and say, you know, we have a big, we have a big footprint here. We have like, we know we're only, but we're only 50%. It'd be really nice to fill out, that other 50% as much as we can before we get over here and really do or do you get that targeted or it's more of like you're just trying to get them in and then work it out once they come in?
1: So I wish I could say we were hyper targeted with our like new customer acquisition, but uh, we're actually won our local review journals uh, best in Las Vegas the gold medal award nice. for pest control for the last two years. So that Im- immediately just puts a big billboard. Yeah, that's basically, true. Right. like right. For the whole Valley. And right. then the Laughlin people see it. And then right. the people that are mm-hmm. not in the Valley, they still see it. And so it's hard to be really targeted, but I'm pretty lucky in that in the Vegas Valley, we have so many techs that I probably have a tech within five miles of you at some point during the day. Now, that might mean some challenges for my techs um, but they're understanding and they they're willing to to make those sacrifices when it comes to new customers and sometimes the techs just have to say like hey i need one of the service managers to come out and take a look at this too Mm -hmm. like and and sometimes i just have to be available to get out into the field to see stuff that like maybe it's a little overwhelming for a tech maybe it's you know, the scope of work wasn't quite what the customer said it was. Right. Right. And so re-leveling the expectations, re-leveling, you know, like, hey, this is a little bit beyond what we talked about on the phone with the CSR technician. So as much as I I say, like, we haven't really been able to drill down, like our growth has been quite organic in the last, you know, couple of years, I would say. Um, ironically, COVID seemed to, in our valley, there were so many people at home. Like it, it really brought to the forefront that like, Hey, I probably should protect my house more. You know, we were getting calls Mm -hmm. all the time with new customers during COVID. Yeah. people,
0: I saw that, you know, when during the COVID time, I was doing marketing for pest control companies at an agency and we were pretty, pretty shocked to see it persist through and actually do, do pretty well. Um, like you said, people were home. And I think when you're home, or you hear things in your walls, right? You might not hear, or you see things that when you're away, you might not see. Mm-hmm. So we had, we had. Uh, I, I specifically remember because we used to listen to calls. I remember people being like, "I can't. I've never heard this before, but now I'm hearing this. This sound, you know, whatever in the wall." And I'm, you know, and I, I remember talking to the to the company that I was working for. They're like, "We were getting this a lot through COVID. It's just like." People that aren't normally in their home are now in their home and pests are in their home and now they know it, right? Because the pests know when they come back. So so, so that that's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk more about, you know, people listening to this. We talked about this before we started about, you know, people learning from other people's experiences. So I'm wondering if you can talk through some... Some challenges that you, you you still face on a day to day that you look at as real opportunities to to meet head on and, gr- and as you continue to grow and if you can share some of those and how you work and approach them in your day to day with your team,
1: I mean so probably the biggest thing I notice is that like I come as an outsider to the industry in that. Whenever we finished a job for my dad's company, like we did a recap on the job, right? So like, hey, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? What can we do better? You know, how can we save ourselves a little bit of time? How can we save ourselves a little bit of money in the future? Um, I don't think that probably happens enough in the industry. And really, like last year, we had a major road escalation. And like, it was my location... 'Cause I was still a field tech and I I even I was like I messed up a little bit here. Like there were things that I didn't see and I hadn't done an escalation at that scale before. You know, when you're putting out a hundred traps in a facility Eesh. you know, the <laughs> it sounds silly. It's like the things like what what trap is this? Like Making sure you number the traps, right? Right. Like, even though you're using a software program where you, like, I have a barcode, I can scan this and it tells me what the device is. Well, you should probably still write what number it is right. on the yeah device. On, the, on the device. Yeah. Like, like because you turn around and like you got to be accountable for the devices with a map. Well, now the guy that's that's doing the map has to be like, hey, uh, which device is this? Right. You know, and it's the small stuff. It's it's never like we made like a glaring mistake. It's like, why did I waste my own hour of time on on simple things that would have taken me seconds to, to fix? Why do you and, think and,
0: why do you think people in the in this and why do you think the people in the industry don't take take that time to look back and to ask the question like, why? Like, or how? like You know what I mean? Like, why do you think that is?
1: because it's just not industry, part of the day-to-day like what what well no i think as an industry we're really reactive right right because right, like, right. you never know like right. it'll go from like hey i didn't have a problem to hey i have a massive problem right and that kind of just triggers in your brain like the go switch right Yep. it doesn't it I doesn't get trigger the it, like yeah, yeah it, it triggers the go switch and like i even for me like you get a little panicky you get a little worried like it puts in the back of your mind, like, hey, am I going to lose this customer? Like, this isn't supposed to happen this way. And, you know, turns out the issue that we had was caused by another vendor bringing something in. You know, like, I, at the end of the day, I figured it out, but, you know, you still doubt yourself. Even even I was doubting myself as a technician. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, I haven't seen this. I didn't know this was happening. And it, and it went from, like, zero to 100, and in no time. So, just learning, you know, learning to not be as like quick on the trigger reactive, but like think it out, how like have a like I try to explain to this. Have like a a go bag for like an escalation, like have a mouse escalation go bag that has the right lures and the right traps in it and the right Make sure you have the barcodes. Make sure you have the if you're using stickers or placards. Like have something that like if something happens, you can literally go to wherever you store your product Mm -hmm. and just be like, if I grab this bag, I I have everything in there. It's there. I'm not gonna slip up. Right. 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 Like it's things like that that can make like the even the technicians level stress. Drop right like if they just know like hey I can go to the office grab this bag and go, and I don't have to worry. They're not all like oh my what am I gonna I gotta yeah I gotta get there yeah 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 yeah. yeah. And then and and that's kind of like the things we've learned is like I I I'm notorious for having that field truck that sags real deep because my truck has you're loaded up has something for everything Mm. and. Not every technician needs to be that person, but that was how I was trained in the industry, and it's a challenge being that guy. I I would lie to you if I said it wasn't a challenge to be that guy because, like, just keeping your truck stocked, if you're going to be that guy, is a challenge. Like, oh, what I use my last tube of ant jelly because right, you got to be. But honest. I have right. Yeah. No, like you literally have to have an in and out system or you you show up to your next job and go like, why don't I have the thing I need? I'm the guy who has everything.
0: Yeah, right. The <laughs> so guy like, that has everything
1: is missing something. Yeah. And and sometimes the, the other problem is sometimes guys turn around and depend on you to be that guy. Right. When- If you don't have when, it, whoa, man. We're, if we're, you, yeah. And so like I've always worked like, like in my dad's company, we had this trailer and we called it the grow trailer. Like I could literally be told, hey, uh, this company had a major shutdown at their plant. And literally if I hooked this trailer up to the back of my truck, I could, you could, I could go there anything. and I could generally fix anything. Mm. I had most everything. And so in my brain, like that's how I treated my trucks. But that's not how every tech needs to be. Right. And I've had to learn that like kind of the hard way too, especially being the manager now, yep. like when you're, when you're an operations manager, it's like not everybody can do it the way I can do it, but I can facilitate things with things like a go bag or an escalation bag or things like, you know, proper inspections of their truck on a regular basis to make sure they have what they need. Right. Right. I, you that, know, That makes sense. Like,
0: yeah. It makes total sense.
1: Yeah. Like I, I, Try and give our texts as much autonomy, and and luckily our owner Joey like that's something from the day you start. Um, he has you read a book called The Letter to Garcia, and it's all about like self accountability. Like if I tell you to do something, it might not be the most clear. It might I might might not literally teach you how to do it, but like know that if you do need that help you should be empowered on your own to find go do it and figure it out or learn about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, right. and, and that's something like I've, I really did. And part of the reason like my coworkers have said, I've made the climb I've made because I've only been in the industry five years um, is because like I have a thirst for just general knowledge in the industry because like I came into the industry, not knowing that much, and so I've had to learn everything kind of either the hard way right. or have somebody or teach have it to me. Show it to you.
0: And you and, had to be willing to find out or go find
1: it or ask questions, right? Otherwise Yeah. And the hard way is never fun. No, it's like not. it's so much easier for me to go sit in a conference call with some rep to tell me about how their product works and and generally I get an education on a pest, right? So like you tell me about how your product works but really what i'm there for is like hey i'm really there more to learn about the ants that this product's really good about because if i go and i do 10 different classes where people try and try and give us products that are good for ants i'm going to know a lot about ants yep and and i think a lot of people look at those classes as exactly that it's a sales opportunity right and it's if you look at the classes the right way no, it's a continuing education of a pest mm-hmm. or a, a, you know, a particular opportunity in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So if you would have told me, you know, I'd be crawling in attics looking for rats five years ago when I didn't work for people, right. <laughs> I probably told no, like, you, no, no way. Nope. Yeah. But, you know, I'm lucky in that, you know, I have a background of of working you know in industries that you know give me a little more knowledge about building construction and i try and provide that kind of opportunity and information to my technicians yeah
0: well that's good in part on Um, them right like you're, you're in a position where you have people that you can you know, that are coming in like you did possibly, and you're gonna help them through yeah. in a way different than than the way you did it, which is important as someone in your position and a manager, it's, you know, your your job, you have a job, but your job is also to make sure that these this group of individuals can thrive and be good in their job. And it's, it's just much your responsibility you know, as them. So it's really, really important. As a manager myself, like one of the things this year that I really want to focus on outside of my day to day role is to make sure that they're doing the best they can. They're empowered to make the right decisions. And like you said, like you give them a little bit of autonomy, like do it. You know, go ahead and do it. Ask questions. You know, make a mistake. As long as it's a, like a minor mistake and not a you know a, a tragic error, make a small mistake, learn from it, come back and talk to everyone about it, so everybody can grow for it. I think it's a really, um, it's really really important to do that. I'm just looking at my time. I want to ask you something before we have to wrap up because I would love to get your take on um, this concept of inspections of the home. And let me explain what what I mean by that. So what I used to as a homeowner. And then when I used to market for pass control companies, we talk about efficiency. This is like oh, coming back to this theme and routing. I gotta come to your house to look at a problem that you have. And people want that for, done for free. You're going to tell me what's wrong. How are you going to fix it? Then you're going to presumably have to come back out later and fix the problem. And I remember having this debate with a lot of companies saying, do you really need to go out there to diagnose the problem? Like, do you really need to go make a do two trips? Or can you just say, sounds like you have an ant problem. Here's our program for ant. This is what it takes care of. We're going to come out. We're going to get you on the schedule Um, and whatever. And then the last point before I, before I turn it back to you is, is there something about that initial visit that psychologically makes the homeowner feel like, you know what the problem is? I'm just, I'm wondering about, um, the inspections in general, are they on their way out? Do you still do them? And just, just talk to me a little bit about that whole process.
1: So I don't do inspections traditionally the way you would think of an inspection. So, um, like, Generally, you're going to call me, tell you have a problem. Um, if it's rodents, I don't do free inspections. Um, I I had to kind of end that boat in the last couple of years because it's incredibly time-intensive. Mm-hmm. And for me to come out and, you know, set up a whole trapping system or rodenticide or, you know, explain to you exactly with what is going on your on your building, it, it cost me in extravagant again Right. Extravagant. About, and you're not just going to be like, "I'll
0: take care of that for free," and then they were going to be yeah. like, "I don't
1: want it." Right. Right. <laughs> right. I I even have gone as far as to do the exact same thing with pigeon beds too. I just I can't justify coming to you for free. Now I can take a look at your house from Google Maps, right? Right. And try and help you. Right. Right. Um, that's kind of closer to what you, I think, we're talking about. Right. In that just like the the, the average you homeowner, to you know, like I yeah. got an
0: ant problem in my kitchen. There's ants coming out of the board, like. Do you come out? You're not going to say, "I'm going to come out for free, take a look, and then come back and reservice, right? You're you're just trying to sell them on the phone first shot
1: and come in, right? No, I'm I'm literally like, let's let's schedule schedule you for service service. and I'll send you a service agreement. I got it, and I need you to sign the service agreement before Before I I come out.
0: Right? Okay, so you have a paying customer before you're going out to the house in theory on contract, yeah. Yeah. And
1: and essentially, I can give you the option of a one-time service. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost probably you more. Yeah, two and a half times what it cost you for a monthly service. Yeah, you know, and excluding German roaches, you know, I generally, you know, can convert like ninety percent of those one-time services over to to a recurring recurring services, just by explaining what we offer when you get a regular monthly service and one of the things we do on a regular reoccurring service is an inspection of your home like i'll let you know if you got a bad right, right, i'll right. let you know opportunities like right. right and and that's what i'm telling them nowadays that they're paying for what you're paying for is for me to come out check your home make sure that you know we can keep them out um like i I have always looked at pest control maybe in a different way than a lot of people. I look at it like an insurance model model, right? Like what I'm selling you is not having bugs. I'm not selling you like that. I come out and spray. I'm selling you. I'm going to let you know how to keep bugs out of your house with my inspection every month. Controlling the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you look at it that, that way, it's just a different and you set that expectation. It's a different, you know, expectation that the customer has from you too.
0: Right. I've heard that a bunch today is setting expectations is very, very, sounds like a very important thing. You know what I've also heard talking to people is that there is this one time versus recurring, this concept of I can come out one time, but it's going to cost you X. Whereas if I did the recurring, it's going to be this as a, as a good method to convert or to change the way that person's thinking about one-time, you know, a problem, like you're saying, I think it's all about illuminating to making them see like I can come into a one-time, but most likely you're going to call me again down the road. So we might as well just keep this program going to control the problem.
1: Yeah. Our, our one-time services are generally between two and three times as expensive as a, as a single service. And I don't know if we're untraditional in that we only do four month minimum contracts um, versus year long contracts. Um, but because I'm going to charge you two to three times as much for reoccurring service, or you can sign a contract where you're going to pay for four and you know, you're going to get four services. It generally tips them over the edge. And if I can keep them for four services, I'll keep you for a year, like 99%. Right. If I can keep you for a year, like 93%, I'm going to keep you for five years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like the year, getting them through the year is the thing. I feel like that's always what I uh, saw.
1: Getting them through the four month, four services for us is the,
0: thing. Is, the th- is that it right that's like an if indicator. i can
1: if i can convert them at 4 years or at 4 months the chances i have you at 5 years has got to be above 90% wow
0: okay so like, it's just <laughs> demonstrating that early value is the is really the key driver that's yeah. what's up um i'm looking at our time so we uh, see i've always it's funny sometimes i will look at that timer and the timer, it doesn't seem like it's moving. And then sometimes I look at the timer, and I'm like, dude, we're, we're at we're go? at time, we gotta go. So before we go, I have a bunch of rapid fire. So people have been asking me like, can you do some rapid fire questions? I love rapid fire questions, is that okay? So these are not necessarily related all to Pest. So we're gonna do this game The Christopher here, it's the Chris and Chris show. I'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions, and they might just be the form of this or this, and you're just gonna bang, you're gonna give me off the top of your head. And we are going to start right now. You ready to go? Yeah. All right. Here we go. on feel famous. Rapid fire text or talk. Oh, text. Dark chocolate or milk. Chocolate. No chocolate. No chocolate. Christopher. All right. Cats. Or I'm dogs? allergic. All right. No, none for you. <laughs>
1: Take that off the list. Cats or dogs. You know what? Just because of this week, I had four new puppies on my route. Uh, it's dogs. Dogs. Summer or Winter. The fact that you have to call here. I'll take the winner. I live in Las Vegas. There you go. It's <laughs> That's true. 115. All right. Morning or evening? I'm a morning guy.
0: Salty or sweet? Oh, salty. Same. I'm a salty, salty guy. Favorite day of the week? I like Tuesdays. Tuesday? We'll have to have yeah. another possible interview to understand <laughs> why Tuesday. Nickname. A nickname you used to be called if you had one?
1: Uh, just my last name. I'm Harkins. Harkins. Forever. All right.
0: How, how long does it take you to get ready for your day? Oh, bang it out in 15 minutes. All right, same. I'm a quick get ready. <laughs> Scale of one to 10, how good of a driver are you?
1: Uh, Well, if you look at my, uh, you know, snitch box driver score, I'm, a, I'm the top of the company. A so I'm go going to 10. We're going 10.
0: Invisibility or super strength? Oh, super strength. Okay. Rats or mice? Oh
1: bees or wasps you know i love bees so i'll pick the bees gotta pick bees if you were really
0: hungry could you eat a bug oh absolutely okay no problems no hesitation final question is this podcast the best podcast you've ever appeared on
1: absolutely Since you, <laughs> All you, right. I, you've, you you've christened yes. me you've christened me as my first podcast you so say absolutely. Yes. most
0: people will say well it's the first one that I'm on I'm like well then it's the best one that you ever been on uh, man alright well I want to thank I want to thank Christopher for coming on the Feel Famous podcast I just want to remind everybody out there that for more information on this show you can go to befieldfamous.com and subscribe on your favorite pod player and tell your friends and remember your success is fame worthy so come tell your story and be feel famous Christopher pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: It's a pleasure. And I love being a resource for our industry. So find me on LinkedIn, um, Christopher Harkins. Um, I'm, uh, I'm here, here to help um, if I can. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.